did because I get to introduce our new pastor to you all. Uh, Drew Williams was called several weeks ago to be our head pastor, so I'm going to invite Drew up. Why don't we welcome him? Uh, he got into town earlier this week, and so he'll be, he's joining us today, and today's really your first official day, so really glad you're here, Drew. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just want to say a quick uh, good morning and so glad to see all of you. I got to meet many of you out in the lobby before church. I hope to meet the rest of you after church. And I apologize in advance. I'm going to need you to remind me of your names for the next couple weeks. Uh, I got lots of names to be learning in these next couple weeks, but I just appreciate being able to meet all of you tomorrow. I will be picking up my wife and kids from the airport, and so they will get to meet all of you next week as well. Um, to give you a little bit of a heads up, um, my son Oliver is one year Years old, and he is um, every baby lover's favorite baby because he loves to be picked up and held and passed along the aisle. And uh, I'll find him eventually at the end of church if someone takes him from me. You are welcome to, please. Um, my daughter, Emerson, on the other hand, uh, she will smile at you coyly while hiding behind my hip and maybe will become your best friend if you give her candy. So, you know, she's three and a half, so that's pretty par for the course. Um, but as we uh, prepare to hear the word today, I, I invite you to open up your Bibles again to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Uh, we just heard the first half of our story, and we're going to be reading through the whole thing together. So I want you to open up again. Um, it'll be on the screen later on, but also if you have it on your Bible app or in your uh, pew Bible, I think it's on page um, uh, 60, I believe. And I want to start this morning by asking a question. Did you ever have a friend when you were young, maybe school age, say to you, don't turn around? D don't turn around. And what did it immediately make you want to do? It made you want to turn around more than you've ever wanted to anything in your life before because you're just unsure. It doesn't matter how serious their face was. It doesn't matter how they whisper it. Don't turn around. Don't look behind you. No matter what, if you hear someone say that to you, it's as if every fiber of your being has this unstoppable urge that you have to turn around to see what they are seeing. Or maybe you've been walking out in public, perhaps with some friends, and you hear a voice behind you that says, hey, and, and you don't know if you know that person, you don't recognize the voice necessarily, but immediately what you want to do is turn around and see who it was, because maybe you forgot something back there. Maybe there's free ice cream back there and you don't want to miss out. If they say, hey, you are going to turn around, it's, it's something compels you. And if you're worshiping with us online, I want you to type in to the comment box, turn around. See, there's one instance, though, in our life that this is not the case. When no matter what happens, nothing can get you to turn around. And that is this. It's when you're intently heading towards something that you want, right? It's... It's when you are headed towards something that has captured you. Now, my son, Ollie, um, he loves techie gadgets. He is going to be the member of our family that is the IT support for me when I get older, okay? Raise your hand if you are the IT support for your family. You get the call when grandma's locked herself out of the phone, you know? You're the kid or you're the niece that has to figure out why is the microwave not showing the right time, and you're the one that has to come and Google it and figure it out for the rest of us. My son is going to be that for me when I get older. And, um, and if, if you're watching online, tag the person who is the IT person. Just tag them in the chat because they need to hear this as well. You are needed as a member of our community for the rest of us that need the help. But see, that's our, that's our Oliver. Right now, his favorite techie gadget is our remote. 
because it has buttons, and those are fun. And mom and dad won't let him play with it, so it's got this mysterious quality to it. Why won't they let me play with it? And he knows it's somehow connected to the TV. He just hasn't quite worked out how to work the TV. So he is fascinated by this remote. And the other day I was in the kitchen, I was doing some uh, dishes and I could see him in the living room. And all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I see him just scurry across the floor. He is, he is hauling over there and he gets to the, to the couch and he pulls himself up on the couch and he's running along the side of the couch. Now, mind you, he doesn't walk yet. He's still un unsure when he's not holding on to furniture. So the speed alerted me that something was going on. And then I saw it. It was the remote on the end of the couch within reach. And so I said, hey, Ollie, over here, bud. Come on. Woohoo. Nothing. Didn't pause. Didn't flinch. Didn't stop. And I was like, Ollie, no. Too late. He had it in his hand and immediately went in his mouth. He was testing a theory to see if it takes slobber to work because he hadn't tried that theory out before. Um, and so I, uh, I finally got it away from him. And by the time I had gotten it away from him, he had, and this is, I'm not making this up, he had created a new Netflix profile and had changed the system language to Hungarian. And uh, this is why he's going to be our tech support. Um, so I was completely unable to get him to stop to get him to turn around because he was so intent on what he was heading towards. So why is it that sometimes we turn around and other times we don't? Now, it all depends on whether we're heading in a direction that feels good, right? It depends on whether the direction that we're heading has us completely captured or not. But the problem is that we can get so focused on the thing that's in front of us that we might be missing the voice of God calling to us. We can get so intent on what we're pursuing, these, these things that we think we want or that the world tells us to want, tells us are good, that we, we could be missing out on where God is calling us to turn around. And so, if we miss when God is calling us to follow him, well, then we can miss out on the transformation the transformation of our life that he's inviting us into. So I'm going to make a deal with you this morning. Here's the deal. If your life is perfect, then you don't have to listen to me anymore for the rest of today because what I have to say isn't for you. Your life is already perfect. Um, I, I need to learn from you. Um, or if, if, there's, if there's nothing in your life that you think could use a little bit of God's handiwork transforming to make better, you know, well, then you're off the hook today. You don't have to listen. But if you're like me, and if you know that partnering with Jesus to transform some area of your life might be a good thing, well, then what we want to do is we want to make sure to find out how we can join Jesus, joining Jesus in, in, in what he wants to do in our lives. We want to find out what is it that might be getting in the way of experiencing that transformation life. And so in today's Jesus story, we're going to be talking about why turning around might be the one thing that is keeping you from experiencing the incredible transformation life that God is inviting you into. So let's open up and read from Luke chapter 15. We're going to start exactly where we started earlier today, but we're going to keep going in the story. So follow along with me in your own Bibles or up on the screen, and let's hear the word of the Lord. It reads, then Jesus said, 
there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, where he, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his feeds, f- fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the p- pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his saves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, the elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked them, what was going on? He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this is one of the most famous passages in all the Bible, right? It's definitely one of the most famous of Jesus' teachings, one of the most famous of Jesus' parables. And it's one that I'm assuming many of us have probably heard more than once. But as I was preparing for this message, there's a few things that stuck out to me new. And so I want to be able to share some of those with you. And at first, I mean, do we know what this story is normally called? Do we know what the story is normally called? The prodigal son, thank you for, for breaking out of your Lutheran heritage and actually talking back and during a sermon. This is wonderful. This is wonderful a little bit. We can do this a little bit. It's usually called the prodigal son, right? That's what I heard it taught as. That's how I've always grown up referring as the prodigal son. And, and truly, the son goes through this amazing transformation in the story, but Something that stuck out to me is, did we notice the first verse that we read where the focus, where Jesus puts the focus? The first verse we read, it says, then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. Jesus is putting the focus on the father in this story. He's telling the story as a, as a metaphorical way to look at the character of God. 
And he, he almost starts it like a, like a folktale, like there once was a man who had two sons. And Jesus' first listeners would have settled in to hear this story and see how it unfolded. Okay, got it. There's a man, got two sons, we're with you. What's going to happen next? And then the younger of the two sons comes to his father with this outrageous request. Give me my share of your estate. Now, I'm sure when Jesus was telling the story, there's people who are listening to him that are like, wait, what? He said, what? That ungrateful snot, right? Like, because what the younger son is essentially saying is, I'm too impatient to wait for you to die, dad. And since all I care about is the stuff that you're going to leave me, then you're honestly better off dead than alive to me. So let's just simplify this and get it over with and give me what's mine. Okay? And you can imagine the murmurings in the crowd as they're listening to Jesus tell the story, right? Are you kidding me? I can't believe he did that. If he was my child, I would have spanked him. Right? Like, they, they can't fathom how this father is going to react to this ungrateful son. But the father in the story doesn't react any of those ways. He does what his son asks. No pushback. No retort. And a few days later, the son leaves home forever, proving that all he truly cared about was what he could get from his family. And now that he's got what he wanted, there's nothing keeping him there. So he takes off in pursuit of something else that he thinks he wants. And we know how the rest of the story unfolds, right? He squanders everything he has, pursuing a life of short-term pleasure, right? Like, whatever sounds good right now, well, that's the thing that he chases. And then his resources ran out. And then the economy took a nosedive. And he finds himself in this dire situation. And it's only when he realized that what he had been pursuing was not giving him the life that he thought he wanted, that was when he was able to turn around. See, our text tells us that he came to himself. Some translations say that he came to his senses. My mom would have said that sense got slapped into him. The point is that he had to get desperate in order to turn around. See, the biblical word for this idea is repentance. And many of us have heard this idea of repentance before, but the idea of repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry. It's not feeling shame or guilt for the thing I've done wrong. No, the idea of repentance is just turning around. And if we look at our text today, the younger son's repentance, it really doesn't have anything to do with an interior change or saying sorry or being, feeling shame. No, it's still all about his self-centeredness, isn't it? He says, I got to turn around so that I can keep surviving. But he is turning away from his previous actions. He is turning around to head back to the father, to once again submit to his father's authority in his life. And so it seems like a change of heart, at least in our text, is actually less important than turning around. Because, I mean, we all know this. We know that feelings can change, right? This isn't a one-time flip. This isn't a one-time change of heart. See, repentance, turning back to God, is, isn't something that just happens once. It happens again and again and again. And I, I doubt that the younger son, after this point, was just a respectful, proper, perfect, upstanding person. Like, he still had some character issues to work through. But the important part 
was turning back to the Father so that they could continue the journey together. Transformation could occur after repentance. And the father, I mean, he's just so incredible in this story, isn't he? Right? Like, the younger son had made up his mind that he's going to go and ask for a job. Maybe then he can earn back some favor. I mean, it makes sense, right? Maybe I can earn my way back into the family. I'll start at the bottom. I'll work my way up. This will work out. But our text says that while he was still far off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. Now, this could only be true if the father was on the lookout, right? That's the only way that he could have seen him while he was a long way off. The father must have spent every day looking for his son, never giving up hope, always ready for when the younger son might turn around and come back. And so he sees him, and he's filled with compassion, and he takes off running to meet him. Doesn't matter how he's going to embarrass himself in front of the neighbors. No, he doesn't care. He's doing it so that no one else gets the younger son first. Because just imagine, this is probably a small village, okay, a small town. People know everyone else's business. What if someone recognizes the son? What if someone starts talking to him and yelling at him and scolding him for what he had done to their family? What if they run him out of town and say he's good for nothing, should go back to where he came from? It'd be better if he had died out there. The father can't let this happen. So he runs out there to be the first one to get to him and he picks him up in this big old bear hug and he kisses him so that everyone who's watching, because you know they're watching, everyone who's watching can see, oh, okay, this is how the father's treating the son. We will take our cues from him. And the boy starts with his prepared speech, right? Father, I've sinned. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But before he can get to the part about asking for a job, the father interrupts him and calls over some servants. Quick, get all this stuff because my son is back. See, the son had lost everything. His inheritance, his respect. He had lost his community. And so he's hoping to get a job, even a menial job, to make sure not to lose his life. But the father's demonstration of grace it's ruled out any need for having to earn his way back into favor. No, no, no. You don't got to earn your way. I'm showing you grace. Get him the best robe so that everyone takes notice. Get him a ring to show that he is fully restored to sonship. Get the fatted calf and invite everyone in town to the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. What you, yep, we were, the fatted calf we were saving for that big festival at the end of the year, that's the one? Yeah, no, no, no. Get it now. We're partying now. My son is back now. And just like that, everything the younger son had squandered and lost is reversed by the grace of the father. Not only is he restored to the life that he once had, but he's also restored to his community because the father is reconciling his wayward son to everyone through the celebration of this incredible party. See, the story shows us that the personal repentance that we experience, extension of forgiveness, not only does it transform the life of one person, but it has the power to transform the whole community. And that's going to be a spoiler for next week. The whole community goes from judging and writing off the younger son 
to welcoming him back with a party, all because of the grace and forgiveness extended by the Father. The whole town is transformed. Well, almost the whole town. The older brother is still out in the field working when this all goes down with the younger son. So he catches wind of it when the party is already in full swing. And as he approaches the house, he hears music and dancing. And the Greek words that are used in our text mean that there was a full orchestra and a troop of dancers. This wasn't some small sing-along, okay? This wasn't three aunts and an uncle singing happy birthday. This was a party. This was a once a year type of party. This is the type of thing that when the older brother walks up and hears it, he goes, did I forget what day it is? Like, what? this is okay, something's going on and I missed the memo. And so he asks uh, what's going on. And uh, when he finds out, his blood boils. He decides not to go in, no, 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 no. I'm not validating that punk's return like this. If he wants to come back and grovel, yeah, fine. But he can eat leftover bread and water, not a feast like this. He can come back wearing sackcloth to show how sorry he is, not the finest robe. I mean, doesn't all this partying just make it seem like we're pretending he didn't do all that awful stuff he did to us? No, 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 no. I am not coming into the party. I don't care if everyone notices that I'm not there. I don't care how poorly that reflects on my father. I am not doing it. So word gets back to the father, but instead of throwing a fit, instead of punishing the older son for his completely disrespectful rant, he heads out for a second time that day to go reach his son. And so he begs him, please turn around and come into the party. Well, the older brother isn't having it. He starts throwing out things like a list of grievances for how he's acted to try and get favor with the father. He says things like, this son of yours, to show that he doesn't even view the brother as family anymore. But the father is undeterred. He speaks in language that connects with his older son's sense of fairness. I am always with you and everything I have is yours. It's all gonna be your inheritance, but we had to celebrate because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. You see, the grace of the father wasn't only for the son who had squandered everything. The father was also offering the same grace to the older son, the one who had stayed loyal, but whose anger now was keeping him outside of the celebration. See, his unwillingness to accept the repentance of his younger brother was now keeping him outside of the blessings that the father was handing out. I mean, maybe you have felt this way. Maybe it's been difficult for you not to be offended by God's grace being shown to someone that you didn't think deserved it. Maybe you hear the older brother's points and you agree with him on multiple things. But the truth is, that God invites us all to the transformation life, the kingdom of God life. God loves sinners and calls them to repentance, calls them to turn around, and his grace goes to extraordinary lengths to bring them back. And his joy is unstoppable when they are found. 
If you're worshiping with us online, type into the chat box, God invites us all. God invites us all, but grace isn't just for those who are far away. See, God's grace is extended even to people who feel that they have been living rightly, who seem to think that, you know, these sinners really got to get their act together and have a change of heart before they can be welcomed in. But God invites us all to transfer life, the life that demonstrates compassion and empathy for the lost, not judgment. God invites us all to experience the transformation life that rejoices over repentance, celebrates when new life is experienced. Because following Jesus, following Jesus is so much more than just knowing the right things. And we know this, right? It involves a transformation of our whole life. Jesus just doesn't want you to only know the right things. He wants your whole life. And he wants to transform it so you can experience his type of life. He wants to transform the way that we feel our emotions. Transformation life impacts our interactions with others. It changes the way that we see ourselves. It changes the way that we extend grace and compassion. And we get to experience the transformation of our whole life because God invites us all into the celebration. Not just later when we die, but right now we get to experience the kingdom of God type of life right now. We get, to, we get to experience forgiveness that leads to empathy towards others. We get to experience grace that leads us to have compassion for others. And isn't that good news? See, I don't know where you're at today, but I have a feeling there's some people who are listening this morning that feel far off from God. They feel far off from God. And if you feel far off from God, know this. God sees you and has compassion on you. And he is running out to meet you where you are right now. Isn't that good news? Or perhaps you're listening and you've spent your whole life trying to stay close to God and live for him. And if that's you, I want you to know this. God is always with you. And the inheritance that he has prepared for you is secure. And so he's inviting you to join him in his outward focused love, to join him in his willingness to accept those who turn back. See, God wants to transform your life, but that transformation doesn't just end with us. It turns our focus outward to be extending grace to others so that they can experience forgiveness and transformation too. So what is God inviting you to do today in light of this good news? What is God inviting you to do today? I think for all of us, we're hearing the voice of God say, turn around. He's calling you to turn around, turn back to me. Because if you think about it, both of those brothers were living with the same sort of self-focused mentality, right? Both were consumed with their own way of thinking the way of living that they, they were unwilling to turn back to the Father at first. Both needed to remember who they were and whose they were. Both brothers needed to turn away from self-centered pity, and both needed to accept the Father's invitation. See, God invites us all to the transformation of the kingdom of God type of life, and he's calling us 
to turn around. Because here's the unfortunate truth. This way of life, it usually doesn't just happen automatically. I mean, it doesn't matter if you say you believe God and then you show up at church every Sunday for the rest of your life. Usually your life doesn't just switch by just doing those things. For most of us, it's too easy to conform to the way the world shows us how to live around us. We spend more time out there than in here. Usually, it's too easy to just get sucked back into how other people live and tell us to pursue things, to tell us to value things. That's why we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's why we need to change our thinking. We need to turn from the things that keep us back from God's invitation. We need to repent from anything that's causing us to turn inward on ourselves. We need to repent from the things that are causing us to lack compassion and empathy. We need to turn around. I mean, maybe you're listening to me right now and you're feeling lost in life. And if you are feeling lost in life, maybe you're feeling down because of how life has turned things around on you. But if that is you, I want you to turn around and hear the voice of God lovingly calling to you, arms outstretched, calling you back as his child. See, God wants to restore you and journey with you to transform your life as you learn to live in his way. Or maybe you're listening to me right now and you've realized that the good things that you've been spending your life pursuing, and they can be good, things can be good, but if that's the only thing that we've been focusing on, sometimes it's really easy to find out that it isn't the life that we wanted. We look up and we wonder if life has anything more to offer to give us purpose or meaning. If that is you, I want you to turn around and hear the voice of Jesus inviting you to turn away from focusing your whole life on things that are temporary, but he's calling you to focus on learning from him. Jesus is inviting you to pursue the things that matter in the kingdom of God, where everyone is able to play a part in extending compassion. Everyone is able to give grace. Everyone is able to join Jesus in the work of restoration that he's doing around us. Or maybe you're listening to me right now, and you feel like you relate more with the older brother in the story. Maybe, maybe you've been living your life and you know that you've been living your life in God's ways already. You've been doing that. You already give a lot of your time to doing the right things, to pursuing justice and loving mercy. But maybe you also realize that it comes pretty naturally to judge other people. It's pretty easy for you maybe to put expectations on other people and how they should be following God because they're doing it differently than you. But if that is you, I want to invite you to turn around and hear the voice of God calling you to trust him with the people that he's bringing transformation in. Ask him to replace your judgment with a spirit of joy when others turn back to him. No, no matter how broken they still are, because we all are still broken, ask God to heal you from being judgmental so that you're not keeping yourself outside of the work that God is doing. If you're still worshiping with us online, type in the comment back, I'm listening. I'm listening to Jesus. 
I'm listening to the voice of Jesus calling me to turn back and to hear his good news because God is inviting us all to turn back to him from no matter where we are so that we can continue our journey with him, learning how to walk in step with him, learning how to receive grace and forgiveness that transforms us and learning how to invite others on the journey as well. So I want you to hear the voice of the Father calling you to turn around and to start journeying with him. And we know it's not a one-time flip, right? It's a gift of grace that keeps going and going, and it's a journey. And we get to turn around again and again because Jesus never stops pursuing us. We get to experience grace and forgiveness no matter what is holding us back from God. And we get to learn from Jesus daily as he slowly transforms every area of our lives through the power of the Spirit as we learn to live under the reign of the Father. And that's good news. Amen? Amen. Amen.